Do we have a love story for you today on Faces of Faith? They fell in love with the Lord, they fell in love with each other, and they fell in love with the concept of being ministers right here in Columbus, Georgia to the international community who are coming to Fort Benning and the surrounding area. You're going to meet them coming up on Faces of Faith. There is the word, there is the way, and brothers and sisters who find strength in their belief. We meet Faces of Faith with Phil Scoggins. Welcome once again to another edition of Faces of Faith. I am delighted to have personal friends of mine, Ron and Carol Collins, joining me for the next hour as we talk about their lives together, about their lives in serving the Lord and the ministry that they're involved in. And right up front, as a matter of full disclosure, I will say that I serve on the board of International Friendship Ministries. Proud to say that I do. And uh, we will be talking a lot more in depth about IFM. That's what we call it. But uh, as I always say, first of all, thank you all for taking time out of your schedule to come and spend the next hour talking with me. Nice to visit with you. Thank you for asking. I know that uh, a lot of folks do know you in the Columbus area, but as I always try to do at the start of a podcast like this, the start of a conversation, let's assume that people don't know who Ron and Carol Collins are. So what I'm going to do is ask you to share y'all stories of uh, your hometowns, where you grew up, uh, how you met, uh, how you met the Lord, and let's just talk about your early years before you ever, you know, darken the doors of uh, the churches here in, in the Columbus area. So uh, if you want to get us started, uh, Ron and Carol, whichever one wants to take the ball and run with it first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in Tocoa, Georgia, which is in the mountains to some extent. Mm-hmm. And Beautiful area. Yeah, lived right next to several farms, and so I was familiar with farming and my my cousins owned a dairy farm, and so we grew up riding on tractors down to the river and enjoying that kind of activity. Grew up in a, also a very small country church uh, where everybody was volunteer but the pastor mm-hmm. and um, had a lot of really wonderful relationships there with, with kids that I went to school with. And the people who volunteered there were also very wonderful people, spent a lot of time with us. Uh, I, it, it was a kind of church where when you turned 12, you were automatically in the adult choir if you wanted to be. <laughs> so in the choir, we would all always teach each other how to, how to sing whatever part you know mm-hmm. we were involved in. And our volunteer music director would go to a music school every summer and bring back music, and we'd do that music all the rest of the year. And the volunteer pianist would come down to our high school on our lunch hour and teach choir free. She came and volunteered that time, carried us all over the state. <laughs> so we had some wonderful experiences like that. And her son became a band director, and six of the rest of us became either had degrees in music or, or became ministers of music. So they had a lot of influence on us. And so that's how I ended up in music myself. What about you, Carol? Take us back. Well, I uh, grew up in Moultrie, Georgia, on okay. a farm. My dad was a farmer. And uh, I was always happy for any free time that I had. But it was wonderful growing up together as a family. We would uh, walk in the woods for hours. There, there didn't seem to be any danger, so there were no restrictions. Mm-hmm. We, we walked, I remember picking violets and 
uh, Easter lilies in the woods by the big handfuls. <laughs> and we uh, grew up across from uh, Mount Island Baptist Church, and a lot of our social activities were at the church. And mm-hmm. looking back, all of the people that spent so much time with us young people made it so much fun. We would have hay rides and peanut balls and uh, parties uh, at different people's homes, and it was just fun. And uh, my parents liked for us to have people over to our homes, so we always, there was usually people over there. So uh, I appreciate my parents taking us to church, mm-hmm. and we loved our church, and uh, we, um, most of our social life uh, revolved around the activities of the church. And uh, so, and also 4-H club and different things, you know, <laughs> uh, at the school. But we had... Uh, we learned to work. We, we always worked, but we were together as a family. And uh, looking back now, I see how protected we were because, uh, well, I didn't, TV didn't come to our community until I was about, I would say, nine or ten years old. And then a lot of people would come to our house to watch something on TV. And But the only thing we watched was uh, Big Top on Saturday morning, and the Lawrence Welk show on Saturday night, <laughs> and and Daddy liked uh, Gunsmoke. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> so, watched an episode of that before I came in today. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our exposure to the outside world, and um, and most of the music that we heard was was you know good music. It, it was a lot of popular music too, but uh, the uh, music back then was you know. Some of Elvis can't help falling in love with you and mm-hmm. some of the others, but <laughs> it was good music, happy music. So we had, um, uh, I would say, a, a happy childhood together as a family growing up on the farm. Tell me about uh, your introduction to the Lord. What, what memories do you have of the moment that you accepted the Lord into your heart? Well, I actually uh, joined the church when I was eight years old. But when, because I was at a camp, and I remember my cousin said, you know, uh, everybody's going down. I think we should go down. I said, okay. So uh, I would join the church and was baptized when I was eight years old mm-hmm. because I, in my head I knew Jesus was the Son of God. But when I was 14, no one said anything to me, and I seemed like, you know, such a perfect little Christian girl. But I, I knew that uh, in my heart, that if I were to die at that point, I would not go to heaven. And only the Lord gave me that sense of conviction. <clears throat> but I tried to dismiss it. Because, I mean, because, I mean, I could tell, um, anyway, I knew there was a sin in my life just because of thoughts that would come. And sometimes I would see something and I would be drawn to it. But uh, so when I was 14, we were picking cotton that summer. And the kids would be throwing uh, little cotton balls to each other, and I couldn't even play because that heaviness was on me. And I thought, no, I've been baptized. I do believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, I go to church every week. Um, And I tried to argue with myself, but there was such a heaviness on me. And finally I got down on my knees in my bedroom and I said, dear Lord, I don't know if I really belong to you or not, but if I don't, I want to give my life to you, and I want you to, Jesus to come into my heart, and I want to live for you. 
So that's when I really turned my heart over to the Lord. And there was a difference after that. Mm-hmm. And I even thought I should go forward and ask to be rebaptized because I didn't understand what it meant the first time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did, and everybody was shocked, and even my family said, why did you do that? <laughs> I said, because I didn't understand before, yeah. but now I understand, and that's what I want to do. Uh, what so, about you, Ron? What what would well, you say would, was similar. that moment I, for you? It was, um, it was very evangelical mm-hmm. church, and um, so we had uh, Bible story teachers and Sunday school teachers and uh, Bible school in the summertime. So I was very aware of, of the Lord and uh, what our expectations were in terms of letting him come into our heart, letting him be head of our life. You know, <clears throat> I, I, was, I was chicken, I guess you'd say, to make that step in church <laughs> mm-hmm. to go down front. But I remember about, I was almost 12 or maybe was 12 years old, and there was a revival going on. And I had just come to the point where I, I can't wait any longer, you know. I've got to make that decision, make uh-huh. it public, you know. Uh-huh. And so I remember I sat on the front row so I wouldn't have too far to walk. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I wanted to make that commitment. And I was <clears throat> baptized in a little uh, concrete painted pool behind the church in cold water. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I understood uh, at that time, you know, what was involved. Um, and I wanted to, you know, make Christ uh, center of my life. I wasn't. I don't. I wouldn't say I always uh, lived up to that. It was, you know, struggled during high school and college, but but uh, always aware that I, I didn't want any other alternative. You know, so and had a lot of Christian friends. <clears throat> the, the high school was was. I mean, most of our high school were Christian kids. I know. I went back to our. I think it was our twenty fifth reunion, maybe. And they were all Christians. We didn't even have any. wasn't any alcohol served at our at our reunion, high school reunion. We had probably had seventy five hundred kids there, you know. But anyway, did any either one of you have um, uh, a sense in your early years that you you would spend your life serving the Lord in some capacity? Well, the we. we our son school and what we call Baptist Training Union, BTU uh-huh. uh, teachers, were always into that. And I, I uh, had, was in a part of Royal Ambassadors, which mm-hmm. is a very strong mission organization. So I was always aware of foreign missions. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, 20 is the first verse I ever memorized, you know, of where to teach and disciple and, and reach out to people around the world, <clears throat> home and, and around the world. And so that was always a part of, we, you know, what we did. Uh, I don't think I really thought about becoming a missionary, although I had cousins who were missionaries, and we were close to Tacoa Falls Bible School, and a lot of our staff people were were students there. So we had missions all around us all the time. When, we, when I went to Georgia, we joined the Baptist Student Union, and that's where actually where I met Carol. And um, that was always a part of the activities of the Baptist Student Union was mission efforts. Mm-hmm. And so that's just always been a part of it. And we had international students, of course, at Georgia and in the Baptist Student Union. So we were surrounded with people from various countries. And we, I always enjoyed that, and she especially enjoyed that. So so you said that y'all met at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us uh, 
however much you want us to know about how you met and, and how uh, the love life got started. Uh, you go ahead. Okay. Um, well, we, uh, we started dating each other at the beginning of our sophomore year. And uh, I remember um, thinking, Ron was in the Dixie Redcoat band, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking he looked so handsome in his red outfit, you know. But, uh, and so we dated for a while, and then uh, I think both of us, I know it was the Lord now looking back, both of us felt that we should just not date for a while. And I, I know that the Lord was uh, kind of separating us so that we could, he could teach us other things and we could kind of and focus I needed, on him. And I needed him. a little maturity in that process. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I remember uh, after we, we decided not to date, whenever I would see him like dating someone else, I would always, my heart would just kind of be sad and I'd want to be with him. And, and then it got to be, if it got to be kind of painful in my heart. And so... Uh, one morning, I got up very early, and I went down to the kitchen in our dorm, and I walked back and forth, and I said, Dear Lord, something is wrong, and it has to do with Ron Collins. <laughs> I said, If you'll just give me peace in my heart about this, I'm not going to do anything to try to get his attention, and I'm going to leave it in your hands. If you want us to get together, that's wonderful. If you don't, then that's fine. So from that, and, and the peace of God just came all over me. It was an amazing peace, and I did not worry about it anymore. But for two over two and a half years, uh, I almost avoided Ron. If I would, sometimes I would see him, but I, I was going to keep my word to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So as far as I knew, we would never get together. And then after I had graduated and he came back for, he got another degree, um, well, that's another story, but I would just say when the Lord did bring us together, he made it so clear. If you want me to, I'll tell you that a little bit later. He made it so clear. It was almost humorous and so uh, definite that we didn't doubt it. But it was just a matter of his timing. Absolutely. So during that time, I would run into her at various places if I had a date and she had a date. And there was always that uncomfortableness, mm-hmm. which I didn't... <laughs> Quite understand at the time, but uh, anyway, I, I recognized that you know. And then one summer, uh, well, a couple of summers, I worked in Atlanta as uh, just earning money so I could go to school, working my way through school. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I ran into several friends of mine at different times, and two of those just out of the blue said, "I know who you're going to marry," and I said, Whoa. "Oh yeah, <laughs> tell me." And, and we hadn't dated for two and a half years. Yeah, and my my friend that I actually, he and I were sharing a, an apartment that summer with, so you're going to marry Carol Hall. Carol's maiden name was Hall. I said, where do you get that from? I said, I haven't, I haven't, we haven't dated in over two years. I don't care. Yeah, that's who you're going to marry. <laughs> well, I had a date one afternoon. We stopped at this barbecue place to get a barbecue sandwich, and just out of the clear blue, she says, I know who you're going to marry. And I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she said, Carol Hall. I said, where is this coming from? Yeah. You know, and, and so I thought, well, when I get back to school, and, and really the third time that happened, I ran into a girl who we had both known at a church one Sunday morning. It was, it was like two weeks before we start back to school. And she asked me if I knew of anyone that, that might need a roommate because her husband was going in the Navy, 
and she needed a roommate. And I said, why don't you call Carol Hall? <laughs> she had been on my mind, I guess. And so anyway, she ended up rooming with, with this girl. And uh, whenever we went back to school, I found out that I, I was, I, I said to the Lord, I got to find out, you know, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So I went looking for her when mm-hmm. I got back to school. <laughs> and so come to find out she needed a ride because she was living with this girl now and didn't have a way to school. So when I talked to her about it, she said, well, I'm looking for a, a ride. If you know of anybody that could give me a ride. And I said, the, I just, my apartment that three other guys and I had just rented was about a block and a half from her house. <laughs> and I said, well. The Lord works yeah, in mysterious ways. <laughs> I said, well, you know, I'll pick you up. Well, that we have hardly been separated <laughs> since then. And I said, uh, and then so he would start picking me up. And then after a while, I think both of our hearts just were so drawn to each other. I said, Lord, if this is not your will, you've got to help me get another ride. <laughs> and, and then before long, I think we both felt that we were really in love. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, I asked the Lord a very simple childlike prayer. I said, um, but remember, it was prefaced by two years of obedience, so mm-hmm. the Lord knew I was seri- serious. I said, Lord, if he is the one that you want me to marry, would you show me in three different ways this week? Show me before Sunday, and don't let me be confused. I want to make it so clear to me that I will not be confused. So I started praying that and didn't say a word to anyone. The next morning, when I opened my eyes, the verse in <coughs> Proverbs Oh, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life came to my mind very strongly. I said, well, I'm going to accept that. That's it's, one. That's one. <laughs> and then the next, on Wednesday, Ron invited me to go to church with him. He was directing music at a church. And after the service, a group of us were standing out, and, and someone came up, and in the middle of the conversation that absolutely did not relate to anything, said, this past week I read Genesis 6-2, I think it was. The sons of men looked upon the daughters, the sons of God looked upon the daughters of men and they chose those to marry whom they would. Well, when he said that, my and heart... I remember that. You know, I, 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 for whatever reason, when he walked out, I said, that is weird. I wonder why he said that. I don't think that verse in the Bible relates to anything, but the Lord used it at that moment to give an affirmative um, scripture on marriage. <laughs> So then I said, well, Lord, okay, that's two. I said, but Lord, if, it's, if this is you, let the third one be so clear and so bold, I cannot help but see it. And I kept praying that in my heart mm-hmm. over and over. Let it be so clear and so bold, I can't help but see it. And um, so Saturday. By this time, she thought she would like for us to get together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Saturday. I got a letter from my sister Ronwyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and Larry lived in Griffin, and now Ronwyn didn't know what I was praying. She had met Ron because she had gone to Georgia too, but she didn't know what I was praying. But in that letter, I pulled out a wedding announcement, and it said, Miss Carol Hall weds Mr. Ronald Collins in big black and white letters. <laughs> and there was a picture of the bride with me and a detailed description of our wedding. 
And what and when I got it that day, because I had been praying, Lord, let me show me, let me see it before Sunday. Well, let me Saturday. let me say that was Saturday morning. We were picking up a little boy who Carol was going to babysit for for one of her friends. And whenever she said she'd like to go by and pick up her mail, I said, okay. So she went and got the mail. She got back in the car. She opened this envelope. And when she looked at the letter, she stuffed it back in there and put it in her pocketbook. And I thought, that was weird. <laughs> you uh-huh. know? But she didn't tell me anything about that until a year after we were married. <laughs> I had to process that. First of all, I thought, Lord, that's amazing. <laughs> and then the second thing, I thought, Lord, you have such a sense of humor. Because my prayer had been, let me see it. <laughs> and he and, did. You know, <laughs> and, and the third <laughs> thing print. was the timing. Yeah. I asked my sister later, why did you do that? She said, I saw an article of someone getting married, and I just felt compelled to do that, and I felt I had to hurry up and do it and get it in the mail. And she had cut out all of the letters. must have taken her hours. Mm-hmm. So that it looked like an authentic wedding announcement. My name, his name, the names of the bridesmaids, the grooms, and everything. Uh, and mailed it so that I got it that Saturday morning. But I thought, the Lord is, he's really amazing. I know he has a great sense of humor uh, with his children. So he answered that specific prayer. Well, no wonder you eventually got married who could argue with that <laughs> for sure yeah well you mentioned director of music you um how did you make it to columbus what stops were there before you actually came well, here i actually got a degree in sociology at georgia and was drafted and was scheduled to go to uh, san antonio texas carol took me to atlanta and i uh was there to get the physical and, you know, be shipped out. Mm-hmm. And what year would that be? It was 68. Okay. And I was sitting in the second floor of the intake area, mm-hmm. and a doctor walked through, and he said, uh, what are you doing here? I said, waiting on you all, I guess. And he said, you got to do the physical? I said, yeah, but I've passed it many times. He said, he got his chart out, and he started down the chart, and he got to, have you ever had asthma? And I said, yes. And he said, What? He said, you've had asthma? I said, yeah. I, he said, can you prove that? I said, yeah. He said, well, get out of here. I said, what? He said, we're not taking anybody that's had asthma. I said, my wife's already gone back home. She's gone to Athens. I don't have a way home. He said, well, go downstairs. They'll give you a bus ticket. <laughs> so, wow. So I was yanked out of that trip and sent back to Athens. You would have been on the way to Vietnam. On the way to Vietnam. Yeah. And probably, possibly. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I uh, when I got back to Athens, I went to her car and I put a little note on her and I said, uh, "I need to talk to you," and I stuck it on her car. She came and got in the car and left, <laughs> ignored that note because she didn't recognize my writing at that point. And so I called her and I said, "Carol, what? Where are you?" She said, "Well, I'm home." I said. Okay, I said, I need a ride. <laughs> she said, where are you? And I said, well, I've reached my destination. Would you like my address? <laughs> she said, yeah. And I could hear her scrambling for a piece of paper right on. <laughs> I said, 150. She wrote that down. I said, one half. When I got to the one half, that was, that was a killer. She knew exactly where I we was. We lived in a little tiny house in a lady's backyard. That was the half. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she was... She put the phone down. I had to thumb right, thumb home. <laughs> yeah. But that I figured that freed me up 
to go back and get my degree in music because I'd been a, I had been a band director, I'd been a, music, a director of music in the church just because of all my background, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to get my degree in music. <clears throat> I want to go back to um, what we were talking about briefly a minute before uh, about influences that made us conscious of people in mm-hmm. other lands, you know, and mm-hmm. wanting to share the Lord with them. We had a wonderful missions program at our church, the act, GAs and then ACT teams. And, and then I remember our whole city had a citywide uh, emphasis. And I remember... They're bringing in uh, missionaries, and even as a child, uh, even even before I really gave my heart to the Lord, uh, that touched my heart. Mm-hmm. That there were, I remember someone teaching us uh, to sing, um, "Tell me the story of Jesus in Chinese," and I thought, "They're little children. They're people all over the world who don't know Jesus, you know." Mm-hmm. But it was planting seeds in my heart. So sorry for that little interruption. No, no. Now we'll go back to. It. <laughs> well, that's fine. Uh, but I, I did get my degree in music, and then uh, I had been a minister of music in a church, but f- by that time for probably ten years. And um, where was that? In Athens. Okay. And uh, so I, although I was had band as my background, uh, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to choral music. I liked choral music, and um, I liked conducting. And so uh, Carol and I felt like the Lord wanted us to go to seminary. I was actually offered uh, some churches in Atlanta. I knew I could get my master's degree, you know, at Georgia State. Mm-hmm. But I just I knew that wasn't for me. I had to go on and get that seminary background, and I'm really glad I did. So where did you go? What school? Southern Seminary in Louisville. Okay. Yeah. While I was there, I was able to um, uh, volunteer as a music assistant at a very large church. I grew up grew up in a small country church and didn't have any of that kind of background. And so I was. The Lord just blessed me with a beautiful place to serve in a large church. I actually directed a choir of about twenty adults and rehearsed the youth choir some, and had you know experiences like that. That if I hadn't done, I wouldn't have been able to come to Columbus, for example. So who reached out to you from here to say, "Hey, come on, we need you in the Fountain City"? <laughs> well, that's an interesting story too. My, my, uh, that's sim- what I love about this show. <laughs> this is all about stories. Yeah. People, right. This is people's right. stories. Well, my so. seminary professor was an awesome organist. I mean, royal organist certified. He was amazing. Had played organ for Billy Graham Crusades. Was an awesome conductor. And I really enjoyed that experience. After I graduated, I was still in the church where Carol and I were serving while I was in seminary, and it was a very nice place, and we were enjoying it. But I went to see him one day and just walked by his office, and he said, hey, when are you going to take a church somewhere? And I said, I have a church. I'm already serving in a church. He said, I know, but where, where would you like to go if you had the opportunity? I said, uh, well, that summer, Carol and I had come through Columbus to visit some friends, and she was part of First Baptist and, had, and said, let's go take a look. I'll show you the organ at church. And I said, oh, great. So I went down. It was a beautiful place, you know, and I enjoyed that. And so when he asked me that question, I said, nah, someplace like First Baptist Columbus. A year later, he was in Texas at a convention, and Bob Potts, the pastor of First Baptist Columbus, was there. And he, their minister of music had resigned, and so he asked Don Houston, <laughs> of the one people of 3,000 people that were there, ever how many, 
He said, uh, I need a Mr. Music. You have any suggestions? He said, uh, why don't you call Ron Collins? Wow. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, he gave me a call, and we we had visited other churches, but just never felt that that was the direction the Lord wanted us to go. Mm-hmm. And when I hung up the phone, uh, Carol said, who is that? And uh, I said, Bob Potts, First Baptist Columbus. She says, I'm packing. <laughs> it, it was the definite. We we had even been invited to First Baptist Church in Texas. Uh, Dallas. It was Dallas, Dallas, which was at that time the largest Baptist church in the world. And they flew us out there, and that was a big honor, and, you know, everything was all set to go. It was then, associate minister of music. I would okay. Yeah, it was associate minister of music. And when we came back, there was such a heaviness on both of us that it was just like a cloud, and that we couldn't shake, and we knew that was not the Lord's mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. So Ron finally said, I'm just going to call and tell them we cannot go there. So he did, and when he called them, um, we had the peace of the Lord again. Mm-hmm. So, But when First Baptist Church Columbus called, it was like, I wish everything were so clear. It was like, this is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and both of us were so excited. And I remember we had um, canned goods down the basement of the house where we were. And I said, we need to pack everything and take them to Moultrie so that when we travel and when, when they move us, uh, to go to Columbus that won't have to mess with this. So before we ever came to the church, the first time we had taken a lot of things and took them to my hometown in Moultrie. So we were ready when they called. <laughs> so uh, Pastor Potts was uh, mm-hmm. the lead pastor right. that hired you. Right. Um, what year was that? 1977. And uh, you thought you were coming here to be... Minister of Music for which probably I, an extended period of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, somewhere along the way, um, there was a, a wrinkle in the mix to, to, to slightly move in another area of ministry that is really probably what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about, and that's International Friendship Ministry. So uh, walk me through the transition between you being a music minister and how the opportunity presented itself for y'all to minister to internationals coming into our area well, of course i was very busy at first baptist uh, we had a lot of a lot of things going with ch- children's choirs youth choirs oh, yeah. adult choirs senior adult choirs handbells mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> and um, so but carol would be out in the community and she would run into various internationals that, that she saw that nobody else seemed to see our, our hearts were just drawn to them you know at the at the uh, donut shop or the gas Everywhere. station or wherever, you know. It's just like they, they drew our hearts. So uh, we would start inviting them to our home for mm-hmm. Sunday dinner. One lady showed up in the church one Sunday in, from Afghanistan, and Carol invited her to come have lunch with us. And so we got to know her really well. And then, then we all became friends with all these different people that she had run into and we invited. And um, we would invite... Uh, some of our family friends to come and, and have dinner with us at various times. And over the, over a couple of three or four years, I guess we would, we would invite them all to come to a Christmas dinner at my house and we'd mm-hmm. sing Christmas carols and, and we'd have the story of the manger scene you know, and everything. And, uh, one year we had, I don't know, probably 70 to a hundred people. I don't know how many wow. 
And uh, one of the lamps got broken with the kids running around, you know. And I told Carol, I said, we got to do this somewhere else. And so we started doing a Christmas banquet at First Baptist. And we'd have three, 400, sometimes more uh, people there from 50 different countries. And it's just people that we had met, you know, during the years. And the base of these people, the reason for them being here was Fort Benning? Every, no, every Not other, I mean, any... any they were here. A combination. Some, some of them had married uh, so American soldiers that ended okay. up in Columbus. Uh-huh. Some of them came here uh, as work. Mm-hmm. Indian, a lot of the Indian guys were mm-hmm. ser- working service stations or technical stuff or medical doctors, mm-hmm. you know. And we had Korean families everywhere because of the, having so many soldiers in Korea. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of German here because of, again, Army bases in Germany. Mm-hmm. So we would just run into, you know, all those folks. Um, and at, at the lunch, I mean, at the um, banquet, we would call out the alphabet of countries and say, anybody, any country here that begins with the letter A? And that would have one person come stand to represent that country. Uh-huh. We get across the end, I would have 50 different countries. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Clovis is just such a melting pot. You know, yes. people are bringing, here, mm-hmm. bringing people here from all over the world. But just the Lord uh, orchestrated that. And, and my best friends... Sometimes if we would have lunch together or whatever, they would all be from different countries, you know. But we were like sisters, I mean, you know. So uh, it's just a very natural, uh, natural thing. And like uh, my friend from Afghanistan, I remember sit- I was sitting in the choir at First Baptist when she walked in the back door. I thought, I hope she comes to the visitor's reception. I want to meet her. She is so beautiful and I don't. I wonder what country she's from. Well, she did, and we just clicked. Like Ron said, we had her over, and our our hearts just bonded. She became like a sister. Well, um, later, her her family actually escaped Afghanistan, and so our church helped look after the whole family, but um, and and helped them go to school, get jobs, and everything. But um, later, uh, her, no. Uh, he he died. Uh, our friend, oh, I didn't tell you this, but anyway, she became engaged to a good friend of ours that we had known a long, long time, and um, he died right before the wedding. Uh, he had a, a Aneur- aneurysm. aneurysm. And interestingly enough, it was like God had prepared him. He left her uh a good bit of money and that she used to help take care of. He said, "This." he wrote a will. He said, this is my will. If, even if something were to happen to me before our wedding, this is what. And he was perfectly healthy, so that was amazing that he yeah. wrote that. But he said, even if something were to happen to me before the wedding, this is what I would like to do. And he even included First Baptist Church. He said, because of your all that you have done for her family, I want to leave, how much was it, 100000 10, uh to First Baptist Church for in the mission fund. And so... That's how we did the banquets. We started Got doing it. the banquets okay. from that mission fund. And then later we also, after we had been there, I guess we used up that particular... We started having the Christmas banquet in a lot of different churches. We had it at St. Luke's, St. Paul's, any place that was big enough because the... The internationals, they loved getting together. Mm-hmm. And, and we would do, like, dances from different countries and entertainment from different countries. And 
and celebrate. How, how do you celebrate Christmas in your country? Or, you know, and they, they all begin to look forward to that time, kind of like an international community all coming together at Christmas <laughs> We time. get a phone call, when's the Christmas banquet this year? <laughs> <laughs> and, and also by that time we had also been uh, connected with Fort Benning and had a lot of the IMSO uh, and Winsec. Uh, Winsec was called School of the Americas back then. Yeah, we became sponsors for the internationals fam- international families out of Fort Benning, like a lot of other Americans you know, here mm-hmm. would enjoy inviting those folks into their home and so forth. So we had sort of a circle of friends that were doing that, and then we would recruit other friends, say, oh, this is fun, why don't y'all come? You know, so we would try to get more and more people to, to do it. After 20 years at First Baptist, um, I, we, I, I told Carol, I said, looks like I'm going to have to do missions or music and one. I mean, it's getting... I, it was a very busy job, yeah. you know, and to keep up with everything that was going on with the uh, with the um, internationals. And the missionaries that we had met would say, Ron, we can't even touch people like that in our own, even in our country where we're serving as missionaries. Maybe the Lord's leaving y'all in Columbus to serve these people that are coming to Columbus. Kind of reverse missionaries. Yeah. And and you stay home and they come to you. Yeah. And, and I don't think we we even think of ourselves as missionaries even now because it's just everybody needs the opportunity to hear the gospel clearly at least one time. And when you meet all of these people and you genuinely fall in love with them, you know, it, it's, just it's friendship. very natural okay? to just share friends. That's the what Lord we are, with just them. friends. So that's why we ended up calling it International Friendship Ministries. Because yeah. we don't do just one thing, we have a lot of different different things that are helpful to the international community when they you know when they come. Like we started out teaching English as a second language, because we knew that a lot of them wanted to improve their English or learn English if they didn't have any English background. So that's how we started. So the organization was founded when? 1997. Well, 96 is when we got our 501c3, but I went to work with them as executive director in 1997. So basically 25 years ago. Yep. Uh, and we have roughly um, another 20 minutes to, uh, <laughs> to cover a lot of territory. But, but let's talk about, over the course of the last 25 years, the impact that International Friendship Ministries has had, not just on families here, but as y'all uh, publish a map that shows the fingerprints of IFM across the globe, how many countries have been impacted over the course of this ministry over the last 25 years? Well, Fort Benning says they have over 100 nations that come through. And, and, that, and so we, we, we invite them. We meet most all of those uh, in one form or another, either luncheon or dinner or, or in some way. So <clears throat> we counted up, about three years ago, we counted up the, the countries that had been in our home that year was 97. Mm. So we know we've had over a hundred countries, you know, that that have, you know, been impacted one way or another. They they've uh, come to our home. They've been to other local Columbus Columbus folks' homes. Um, they've taken English classes. Um, they've gone on trips with us. We do two retreats a year. We've, uh, you know, so we've just had a lot of networking kind of activities over the years. And then we also started, uh, like I studied art, Ron studied music. So the arts have been a part of uh, 
the bridge. Mm-hmm. Well, I would teach art classes, uh, and I would, so I've taught Indian children, I've taught Chinese children, you know, different countries, and I would connect with that country, and um, and then friends would tell other people, you know. So, and then I, I started, uh, then we started doing uh, Bible studies, but I, you know, the Lord did, he is so smart, isn't he, in <laughs> putting us here where people are coming from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And um, and these people would like to meet uh, people who invite them into their home, and they would like to know about our culture. Because yeah, some of them say, well, I had no idea when I came here that I'd get to be actually be in an American home. And I've had, I've had guys tell me, when I came here, I did not like Americans. I said, why? They said, all we knew about America is what we saw on CNN and the soap operas. <laughs> So we understood what their problem was, you know. And we even, we've had, like, we've had internationals live with us. We don't now, but sometimes students at CSU, and that would, we didn't charge them anything, but they just, you know, I don't know how that worked out, but it worked out. <laughs> and um, and some, one time a doctor from, I guess word gets around, you know. But when we lived in, in, in uh, homes that were big enough, We've had people from different countries live with us for a while. We even had an exchange student from Russia, which we enjoyed. And so we've, we've always had internationals in our home. Usually it's just sort of part of the family. And then so then people tell other people, you know, when you get to Columbus, contact them. And so that was that helped a lot because people would contact us. And then we've gone back and visited some of the families that we've sponsored here. And, of course, we've been doing it long enough now that some of the kids who were five and six years old have grown up, got wow. married, and called us and said, I want to bring my wife to introduce her to you all. We're going to come over there on our honeymoon. Wow. <laughs> so. And that means a lot. You know, that really means a lot. And uh, so I would say really it's love relationships. Okay. It's genuine love relationships. and. And then sometimes when they leave, you know, you're, it's hard for, to let them go. And, uh, and like uh, the families that we've been particularly close to, like at Winsack, when they leave, I mean, it's like part of your family leaving. But we, we plan to keep more in touch and want to spend more time in the future kind of going to see some that we are particularly bonded with, you know. And to, for in, encouragement to them, and just because we we, really keep, care we about keep up a lot with a lot of them on Facebook, you know, uh, we'll FaceTime live mm-hmm. different ones, you know, and some of them actually stay with Carol's Bible study on Wednesday mornings in their country. Now that they've gone back, they enjoyed the the Bible study. So, so boy, much. hasn't hasn't Zoom really been a yeah. blessing? It, yeah, it, it actually turned out live. to be a blessing, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. Well. Share some uh, some personal stories of people whose hearts you know when they came here, again, maybe were reluctant to, to, to let someone reach out to them and love on them, but, but some distinct changes in, in positive ways that... Well, I think a lot of them tend to be hearts. suspicious because they don't, you know, they, when they come with total uneducated expectations, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't, they're here to go to school. Mm-hmm. And if somebody reaches out to them in friendship, it's at first there's a you know wonder if they're okay kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, and so we, it takes a little bit of time to build friendships, build mm-hmm. relationships, and mm-hmm. trust. 
and they they then invite us to their home. Uh, we had one couple who um, they actually were not well. He was a Christian when he came. He had because, become yeah. he had become a Christian in, because he had, didn't speak English quite well enough, so he had to go to Texas for a month. Then he came here. When he came here, he brought his wife and daughter. And so <clears throat> I was asking him, I said, what, tell me about your spiritual background. He said, well, you know, in my country, we don't believe in God. I said, yeah, I'd heard that. <laughs> he said, but I do. And I said, oh, really? How, how, does, how did that happen? He said, well, the couple that sponsored me in Texas uh, introduced me to the Lord, and I've made a commitment to him and accepted him as my Savior. So I'm, I'm a, a Christian. I said, wonderful. I said, is your wife a Christian? He said, no, not yet, but I hope so. And so they invited us to their home Mm -hmm. for lunch, you know, and we enjoyed that. I invited them to our house for a dinner, and it was right around just between November and Christmas, I mean, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So Carol was putting decorations up, and she had put the manger scene on the mantle. And uh, so this, this wife walks over, and she says, these are beautiful. Do they have any significance? I said, they sure do. Let me tell you the Christmas story. <laughs> and so Carol shared with her the Christmas story. She yeah. became a Christian. They have both since uh, in, uh, went to, uh, actually ended up coming to the U.S., long story there. Mm-hmm. But they've actually started a church in their language uh, in the town where they went. And he called me up. He said, I, I, I'm going to church. I said, oh, really? What's the name of it? And he told me what the name was. And I said, mm, that sounds pretty good. He said, he didn't know if it was good or not. And I said, yeah, I think it's, I think that's okay. So I called the pastor. He said, you wouldn't believe it. He said, we've been praying for a, a couple from that country to help us reach out to other people who are in our neighborhood from that country. And we want to start a church in their language. And we're having a Bible study in their house on Friday nights. <laughs> so You know, there was also a, a girl... Um, well, there are so many stories, I'm sure. and sometimes you don't want to tell everybody's sure. stories, you know. But um, uh, a friend, a precious friend, when she started coming to the Bible study, uh, I was, once people get into the Word of God, uh, the Word of God itself... They're amazed. They really are amazed. ...does a transforming work. Uh, I mean, if you could just get them into the Word of God, into thinking about it. And uh, this young girl said, I, I learned more in a month here than I had in 40 years in my country. And I, I was going to church once a week uh, in my country. But I, I still, she said, I've learned more in a month here uh, just studying the Bible. And and she and, and her husband, they went back with really a burden to share the Lord with their friends and family members because they realized that we can have a personal relationship with the Lord. And um, so that's somebody very close to our heart. But we, we, we see all the time, we see the difference the Word of God makes when a person starts studying the Word of God because the Holy Spirit comes in and starts speaking to them and it becomes alive and, and real and they are, it's just like they open up to the Lord. We see more gradual openings up people opening up and coming into a personal relationship with the Lord just by studying his word than anything. But in, um, I remember my, my friend uh, from a Muslim country, uh, she, well, again, I like so many stories. There, there has to be a point sometimes in the conversation 
or in the friendship when you say, uh, are you interested in spiritual things? Uh, do you know for sure when you die if you would go to heaven? Mm-hmm. And, and, and just in love asking that, that question itself will open up the door. Right. Because so many times they say, well, really, I don't know. I try to be good or, you know, mm-hmm. I try. And then just can I show you what the Bible says that if you keep the whole law but you fail in one point, you're guilty, and the penalty for sin is eternal death. But God loved us, and he paid that penalty himself. But he doesn't force it on anyone, but he offers it as a gift if you want to receive it. And just kind of opening up that way that here's the opportunity. We don't have to be good enough, mm-hmm. you know. But God, God, paid, <laughs> God paid the penalty for us if we accept that as a gift. And just helping people think, I mean, helping them think through, you know, yeah, I want to choose that. And, and so that it's their choice. And then, um, but anyway, it's wonderful to see the Lord. I mean, we have been told, you know, since I learned more about the Lord, this saved my marriage. We had you one know, couple who came with the plan to when they went back to get a divorce. They had already decided, they had, well, we'll go to the U.S., and then when we get back, we're going to go ahead and get a divorce. And so they came to one of our retreats, had a transforming experience at a retreat. He, she says he became a totally different person in the way he treated her and everything, and their marriage was saved. They went back home, got involved in a church, and, and his the uh, company where he was serving asked him to come and help the other guys who were having marriage problems. <laughs> and how, how should you treat your wife, you know? <laughs> and so. one, one young girl, this is from another country, she had been having deep depression for so many years. And at one point, this was in one of our retreats, the Lord just touched her and that left her, and she was a completely different person. You know, so seeing... Seeing a person cry out to God and then God just doing a miracle mm-hmm. in their life, you know. And and just seeing the amazing uh, love of the Lord for all of these people. But just praying, that's what we pray. Lord, just give us wisdom. Hi, what is the bridge to this person's heart? And also, who is out there has a hunger for God? Because you don't have enough time to be friends with everybody. So we ask, we often ask, Lord, who has a hunger for God? Lead us to those people who have a hunger for God. What has being the ambassadors for IFM done for y'all spiritually? Well, I think it keeps the gift. Yeah, I think it keeps us focused on the Lord for one thing because we can't do it ourselves, you know, and we it's in a sense waste of time in a way. Uh, if if we if we're not focused on what he wants to accomplish, you know, in and through us, uh, it's a challenge to develop the ministry to reach as many people as we can, and that's that we've been blessed with some amazing staff that have the same heart we do for reaching people and even more gifted than I am in in reaching people, multilingual uh, heart for various ethnic groups, you know, and strategies, studies strategy for reaching people. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a youth director now who's really awesome at relating to the young people, and that's a great way that we connect to the families, you know, through the youth and what they're doing. And uh, so... 
really, the whole team that the Lord has put together is amazing because each one has different gifts, like Erin, for example. She has the gift of administration. Not only, I mean, she keeps everything running smoothly. Not only the gift of administration, but she has such a love for all of these people from all the different parts of the world and helps recruit different families to come and just befriend them, you know. And then Mierta, um, Mierta, actually, when we first met Mierta, she did not believe in the Lord. She, we met her because she was supposed to teach us Spanish. And uh, then when we talked to her about, you know, just share the Lord with her, at first she did not, um, did not she, she was polite, but she did not believe mm-hmm. in, in the God. And, and, but then seeing <coughs> the trans, and they were at Fort Benning at the time, uh, and seeing, one day she said, this, when, when she started studying the Bible, she said, this is so beautiful, I just wish it were true. <laughs> and, and then she said, standing there in front of her sink, the realization came on her, it is true. And she said when that realization came into her heart, she said she was so excited, she felt like she could run up and down the streets <laughs> just yelling and telling everybody, it's true, it's true, it's true. But she has been one of the greatest assets because she... Translates the Spanish for uh-huh. Carol on the fly. Just She's you know. won so many people to the Lord and been a mother to so many Hispanic people who in turn have won people to the Lord, who in turn have won people to the Lord. So she's a, a grandmother herself spiritually, you know, <laughs> and just such a blessing. She has such a gift of mercy and helping people in need. And we love Dallas. Dallas is such a gift from heaven. He really loves all of these international families and the Dallas, kids. tell us what he does. Dallas Sims. He's director of youth and okay. family activities. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> it's a family outreach. We get to know the kids, and but through the kids, we get to know the families. Mm-hmm. We ended up having events at their house, you know, and different uh, activities with the kids. And I know there was a soccer camp recently yeah. that just concluded. It was great. Yeah, it was we had a lot of almost, big turnout. Almost 70 uh-huh. kids for yeah. that. The arts camp was wonderful. He did both of those and like every Thursday night, he leads the Bible study, has music, and he brings people in to give personal testimonies. I told him, I said, Dallas, I think this is one of the most important things we do because all of these kids, like 12 to 18 or whatever, they're here. Most of them do not know the Lord yet. And this is a very important time in their life. They're, they're deciding mm-hmm. what direction and every week you are helping them understand what it really means to follow Christ. And they love him, and he loves them. And we have so a lot of community support them. in that that youth group activity is at Morningside on Thursday nights. Our soccer camp was at Northside Christian out on Whitesville Road. We do a lot of different things in different churches at Bellwood English's second language program. Goodwill, we do an English program at Goodwill Industries on Macon Road. So it's, it's a really community activity that we all are involved in so well if we are reaching folks who are saying for the last almost hour i like what i'm hearing and would like to either personally get involved or they may be a pastor of a church who says we need to connect with international friendship ministries where do they go how could they make that we're connection all the time happen? needing more english teachers we need volunteers for various programs and um, but they can uh, call our office 
and uh, Aaron would be answering the phone. If they speak Spanish, she speaks Spanish too. <laughs> so, uh, and that's 706-653-0097. Or our website, if they want to find out more about IFM, there's a lot of information including videos and mm-hmm. pictures and so forth, and that's ifmga.org, as in International Friendship Ministries Georgia, ifmga.org. We saved, uh, I won't say the best for last, but I know as far as Carol's concerned, this has been heavy on her heart, uh, a, a ministry center that is uh, in the works and, and the Lord making uh, the path, uh, opening up the pathway for, for something to happen to where instead of having to rent a facility and being in a place where you, you really need more room and more space to minister, Tell us what you would like for folks out there to be aware of and how they might could help get involved in the well, development of this new um, ministry center that is it looks like is going to be happening very soon. This is a dream, especially that Carol felt very strongly <clears throat> about when we first started, <clears throat> that he wanted us to have a center where internationals could come. It would be a home away from home. Mm-hmm. It would be a point of identification a place where the community could be involved in reaching out to the internationals. So we've been praying for this for a long time, mm-hmm. and we about three years ago started a capital campaign, and uh, it's we've almost there, and uh, we we uh, believe that in the next couple of months or so we're going to be able to move forward. Absolutely. So we're excited about that. What would Columbus be without IFM? It's been in, in existence 25 years. What void would there be in this community if, if the ministry that y'all are doing were suddenly uh, the vacuum was created because it was not here? Well, one thing that's been on our heart is to connect the different language groups together. Uh, there are many um, cultural groups mm-hmm. in our city, and they're isolated but, I, you know, we know the Lord wants us to bring, I mean, people who know him are a family. So to bring the international groups together, I think that's what we started doing at the Christmas banquets a long yeah. time ago, and they loved it. A sense of belonging to the internationals in our area mm-hmm. and that, that we are a family together and that we, uh, we're here for one another. Mm-hmm. So I think the ministry center will do that, and it will provide a place where the Others in the family of the Lord can come and say, look, I want to be your friend and I want to help. And the different gifts that people have, they can use them, you know, uh, in that way. Because the Lord does say a lot. um, He loves the orphan, he loves the widow, and he loves the foreigner. There's a special place in his heart. Because in a way, those are are vulnerable Mm -hmm. um, uh, people. What I think would be missing is... We all have friends. We all have relationships, networking. Mm-hmm. All of that would be missing as far as the outreach to internationals are concerned. You know, different churches do different things, and we are one of our goals is to help the churches reach out to the international community. Mm-hmm. And so, we feel like that we have at least made a dent in that. Yeah. You know, and you know, there was a, a young woman from another country that was here at Fort Benning. And she learned about our Bible studies right before she left. And she said, my greatest regret, my greatest sorrow is that I did not meet y'all two years ago. She said, I have been alone in my home and in my backyard because I was afraid to really get out. And she said, I didn't know who I could trust. I didn't know what I could do. 
And she said, all of that time you were here, and I just didn't know about you, you know. So we, we, we don't want, and, and even now there are a lot of officers who come here. Uh, some do a lot of traveling on the weekend, but there are others who don't. Mm-hmm. Who don't. And, and we don't want them to, for this time to be wasted because we know it's a window of opportunity in many of their lives for them to come into contact with people and, and really understand what it means to um, have forgiveness of sin, to know that you have eternal life, to know the love of the Lord personally. A precious friend uh, went to church with us not long ago, and he said, this is the only time in my life I've ever been in the church. Wow. And uh, so it made us realize even more the uniqueness of the window for many that and and so if we it, the more it's it takes time because it's all relationships the more of the lord's children who can say i i recognize that god is bringing the world to us and i want to help touch someone's life because when you touch a life you touch a nation right. and this that person may be the key to many, many people in that nation. Well, we have come to the end of a, an hour-long discussion, and it seems like we've been only been talking a few minutes. But what a journey that you have expressed to us from your hearts about the love that you have for the Lord, the love you have for each other, the love you have for internationalists in this community. I just want to personally thank you for your, the heart that you have for the Lord, for what for answering his call to do what you're doing uh, through this ministry. And we would, again, encourage those who might be uh, hearing this for the first time, uh, get in touch if this is something that uh, speaks to your heart, if this is something that you feel like the Lord could uh, use your talents and abilities to help in this ministry. Ron and Carol both would welcome you, as would the board. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would appreciate uh, anyone that wants to be a part of this uh, group to do uh, what y'all do best, and that is show love to folks who are coming here and in many cases don't have folks to love on them while they're here. And uh, so thank you for what you do. Thank you for being my guest. I want to thank Dylan Hansen, who has been controlling our uh, uh, director's switcher over here and, and making everything happen the way it needs to on camera. Thank you, Dylan, for always doing such a fabulous job. We want to thank... All of you at, uh, out there who are watching and would encourage you to let folks know that Faces of Faith is on WRBL.com every Thursday night at 7 p.m. And we look forward to next week. And in the meantime, as we always say at this time of the podcast, uh, whatever you're going through, always remember, keep the faith.